Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, listen, I'm so glad you're here. It's so good to see you. Thank you for everyone who the last seven days spent praying with us. We're in a series called Open Our Eyes, which is part of our prayer theme for the year. So if you didn't get one of these note um, bookmarks last week, you say, Pastor, I don't read, so therefore I don't need a bookmark. Well, take one anyway. Put it on your, on your, uh, your refrigerator or on the dash of your card because during our Wednesday night prayer meetings, these are going to be a lot of our focuses for the rest of 2023. And I'm kind of preaching through some of these uh, the month of January. And today we're preaching on the, on the, uh, on the promise of God, open, open our eyes to the promises of God. And our, our theme is God, open our eyes. Our theme verse is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha prayed. He said, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, if you don't know the story, Elisha, a prophet of God, was, uh, was not very popular in certain circles. Uh, people of God often aren't popular. And he and his servant were inside of a city, and they woke up in the morning, the servant looked outside, and what he saw was a literal mighty army surrounded the city for one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to get Elisha. And the servant, uh, the servant thought, well, if they get him, they're probably going to get me too. If they kill him, they're probably going to kill me too. So he was having a moment of, of freaking out, if you will, and Elisha prayed this prayer. We're praying, he said, Lord, Open his eyes, and when God opened his eyes, he saw that the hills were full of a greater army. And friends, I just believe that if we will ask God in 2023, he will reveal to us the reality that the greater is he that's with us than the one that's against us. And this morning, specifically, we're praying, God, open my eyes to the power of your promises. I want to ask you to say a phrase with me. Sometimes, you know, you, you get home and someone, you might say, man, that, that, that message was good. And then someone says, well, what, what do you talk about? And you're like, I don't know, but it was good, you know. And so I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to conquer that this morning uh, with a phrase that maybe you can remember. If you're blessed like I am, you might want to pat your belly a little bit when I say this. It's mushy in the middle. Say that out loud. It's mushy in the middle. It's mushy in the middle. That's, what does that have to do with anything? You'll find out later. I want to ask you to imagine with me a, a young girl, 20 years old, and she and her boyfriend have been dating for, let's say, let's say a year and a half. And the boy has been saving up his money. I mean, he's been working hard, working overtime, saving up his money. And he went to the jewelry store and bought the, the biggest diamond ring possible. And he has been sweating bullets all day long. And when she least expects it, he gets down on one knee and proposes to her. And she says, yes. I will marry you. She gets up, from, or he gets up from that encounter. I'm sure they embrace and kiss each other on the cheek and 
all that stuff, maybe more, I don't know. That's how it's going to go with my daughter. Uh, he's got a kiss on the cheek. And, uh, and from that moment, her life has changed. I mean, when she comes to church, she worships differently. Last Sunday, she worshiped like this. But this year, this week, she has an engagement ring, so this week she worships <laughs> like this. Every picture she takes is. If any guy asks her to, to dinner or looks her way, she kind of gives them the Heisman because she's committed. She's not interested. She's off the market. Her answer is no. She starts reading magazines. Right? Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. I didn't know there was a whole, there's a whole world of wedding magazines. Not just one. Many. She starts buying new magazines. Her, her whole life is now not about what it was a week ago. Now it's about now she's preparing herself. Everything has changed. And it's not really changed because she got a ring on her finger. What changed is she has a promise. Today I want to talk to you about the power of a promise. Her life changed because of a promise. Here's what I want to get to you this morning. People with a promise live differently than people without a promise. People with a promise experience life differently because they have a promise. People with a promise engage in activities that people without a promise would never engage in. There's a lot of power in a promise if if the one who gave the promise is faithful. How do we understand that we have someone who's given us a promise who's faithful? Did you know that in God's eyes, biblically speaking, you are defined as people with a promise? That's who you are. And a promise can change your life if the one who promised it is faithful. A promise can change your life if, you're, if the one who gave the promise is not just faithful but is able. Right? If I tell you that, hey, this Friday I'm going to give you $2.5 million. That might be exciting to you, but I'll just give you a little scoop. You better not change your lifestyle because I am not able. But here's the thing about God. He's not just faithful, he's able. Whatever he promises, he's faithful and he's able. But in order, for it to in order for it to change my life, I have to believe that the promise will be fulfilled. See, if the one who promised is faithful and the one who promised is able, and if the one who receives the promise believes it, then all of a sudden your life changes. Have you ever... I know you've never done this before, but my romantic illustration, it didn't resonate with some of you. You're too serious for such foolishness. But I remember when Megan and I were first starting out, I'm not sure I should admit this or not, but here we go anyway. We lived a lot on float. Anybody know what that means? Float means you write a check and you mail the check, 
because you know you're going to get some money before the check clears, even though you don't have it now. So, like, we got paid on Friday, but on Thursday night, I'd start writing checks. And I would put them in the mail first thing Friday morning. Even though my bank account said I didn't have money to cover those checks, I went ahead and lived a life as though I did because I was convinced that the promiser, my employer, was faithful to deposit that money by noon on that day, and so I was going to be okay. Somebody was saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. Some of you are like, yeah, I understand that. Okay, I got you. That, I, was living with, I was living by a promise. If the promiser didn't pay or deposit that day, I'd been in trouble. I'm just here to tell you, a promise changes your life. It changes your life for the better if you are a person of promise. And it leaves your life less than desirable if you're a person without a promise. But I want to tell you this morning, you're a person of promise. Acts chapter 23, my text just has one scripture uh, this morning. Follow along with me. It says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in Rome. This was a promise to the Apostle Paul. Let me just pray for you real quick. Father, I love you, and I just confess that we need your help this morning. There's no way we can speak what you want spoken or hear what you want us to hear without the help of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, with your help, you can take what is, what is presented today and let it not be the words of a person, but the words of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need today. So I pray you anoint me above my own ability to speak the words of God, the words of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear and respond to what the Holy Spirit would say to us. And we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. amen. This is a promise to Paul. Paul says, take courage. Why does Paul need to take courage? Because he just got out of a meeting where people were literally trying to tear him apart. That's not a metaphor. That is people literally had on, some of them had a hold of this arm, some of them had a hold of that arm, some people had a hold of that leg and that leg, and they were, he was, he was the, the object of a lot of turmoil, and it, he barely survived the night. And so God sends Paul this promise that, hey, listen, take courage. You, you're not going to die today because you've still got to preach for me in Jerusalem. And in Rome, it was, a, it was a promise. God gave Paul this promise, I believe, because if God knew the next few years of his life, Paul was about to go through it. And you don't have to write all this down, but let me just tell you what happened when Paul received a promise. How many want to be a person of promise today? How many believe you are a person of promise if you're a Christ follower, you should have raised your hand both times. I am a person of promise, okay? But here's the deal. Paul was a person of promise, and immediately someone tried to kill him. Paul was a, a, a person of promise. He was immediately arrested and sent off to a prison in Caesarea. He was a person of promise, and he was then put on trial before Felix. He was then left in prison for two years. He was put on trial again by Festus. He was put on a boat to go to Rome. Then his boat shipwrecks. 
He's washed up on an island. He gets bitten by a poisonous viper. And then he's kept in prison for another three months on this island called Malta before he's finally put in a, on another boat that takes him to a prison in Rome. And all of that, it takes about three to five years. For three to five years, he's going through hell on earth. And the only thing that kept him sane was he had a promise. He said he knew that the Lord would not let him die in a shipwreck, be, be put to death in a prison cell, he knew he could not die from a snake's viper because he was a person of promise. And friends, so are you. A promise gave him a foundation that carried him through everything he was facing. I'm going to say this a few times today. When God gives you a promise, here's how it works. The beginning is solid. Paul, you will testify about me in Jerusalem and Rome. How many of you think, okay, got that, easy, got it, right? The, the beginning of God's promises are always easy. They're clear. We understand them. We can grab a hold of them. Here's the second thing about God's promise is that the end of them is certain. I want to say that again. The end of God's promises are always certain. If God said it, it's going to happen. God doesn't make promises. He doesn't write his promises in sand. He writes his promises in stone and the stone of eternity. If God said it, it's going to happen. So the promises of God are clear in the beginning. They're concrete in the end, but the middle is mushy. You understand that? Pastor, why would you say the middle is mushy? Because have you ever walked through mushy ground? You ever walked through some mud that's so mushy that you take one step and your shoe your shoe comes off your foot and it's your shoes down in the mud and your foot's up in the air and you're trying to figure out how do I keep my balance and put my shoe back on it it's mushy and here's the thing when you're following the promises of God when we get the promises of God we're usually like woohoo this is awesome but then the ground gets mushy it gets hard to walk through you begin to wonder in the middle am I going to make it to the end but I want to tell you even though the middle is mushy the end is secure amen the end is secure. So I'm praying, God, would you help me open my eyes to the promises of God, no matter how mushy life has become, so I can understand the certainty of your promise that's before me. See, here's the thing. Promises, if you got your notes, you can start following along. Number one, promises, a promise will define the outcome of a person's life. Paul received a promise from God that told him, the outcome. You are going to testify before me in Jerusalem. You are going to testify before me in Rome. When it comes to promises, look, the beginning was clear. The end is going to be concrete, but Paul didn't know that I'm about to get shipwrecked. He didn't know he's going to spend the next five years in prison. He didn't know he was going to get bitten by a snake. He didn't know that, that he was going to try to tell people to go the right way and they were going to go the wrong way. He didn't know any of this stuff. The middle was unknown. The middle was mushy, but he knew that the one who started the promise was the one who would complete the promise. So listen, God's promises, they move us from A to B. But they don't always tell you what's in the middle. So we got to learn to trust God in the middle. Look at any promise of God in Scripture where God promised someone something. You're probably going to see a clear promise in the beginning, 
a concrete ending that God completes, and a whole lot of mushy stuff in the middle that's unknown. God told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child. He didn't tell him that in the middle it's going to be kind of mushy, and it's going to take you a while to get this child. Joseph received a dream as a young boy. Hey, listen, one of these days, your father and your brothers, they're going to, they're going to kneel down before you. Your whole family, though you're the second to the youngest, you're going to be their redeemer, their leader. You're going to be their ruler. He received this dream as a young boy. He knew it was going to, he, the, clear, the dream was clear. The promise was clear. We know from Joseph's life that the promise was kept. It ended up exactly how, how the Lord promised him. But there was year after year of Joseph of being sold into slavery, uh, put in prison from, from being lied upon on Potiphar's house, getting, getting forgotten about by the cupbearer and the baker. There was years of the mushy middle where it seemed like he'd been forgotten, but even though the, the, the middle was mushy, God still kept his word. I just came today to tell you, if your middle seems mushy today, God is still in the word-keeping business today. Pastor, I feel like I'm sinking in the middle. God's going to keep his word. I remember there was a, there was a young man named David in the, in the Bible. Samuel came to his house and said, listen, Dave, you're going to be the next king. And most of us would think, awesome. Show me the palace. Show me my parking spot. Show me the... 172-inch flat screen, I'm the king, awesome. But instead, David, after being anointed of king, he figured out he had to kill a giant. He had to live in caves because the present king was trying to kill him. He had to escape to the enemy and pretend to be a madman, like he was out of his mind for a season. God didn't show David any of that stuff. How many of you have ever received a promise and God kept it, but you say, before God kept his promise, I had to endure some mushy mess? Anybody? Don't let the middle keep you from the end. There are times in life when the enemy will convince you, circumstances will try to talk to you and say, you are on the right path, that God has changed his mind, that he's moved on to something else, that, that, that you missed your opportunity. But I want to tell you, stay on the path. God's promises that was clear in the beginning will be concrete in the end. Number two, here's the second thing about a promise. A promise will sustain us through adversity. Paul receives a promise. You're going to preach in Rome. You're going to preach in Jerusalem. If it's me, I get the promise. I'm booking Expedia the next day. Like just, okay, that's, God, where, God, that's, the, that's where I got to go. Let me just see the quickest way to get there. But instead, the promise of God, instead of making Paul's life better, it actually became a light of hope. To keep him sane through the shipwreck, through the snake bite, through the prison time. It also, there's certain sentences you want to write down that you might want to write this down. The promise of God let Paul know 
that my circumstances are limited. Did you know your circumstances are limited because of the promise of God? There was one thing Paul knew was was not going to happen. He knew he was not going to die because he had been promised you're going to preach in Rome and you're going to preach in Jerusalem. I wonder how our lives would change if we realized that we are people of promise. How would our lives change if we understood that this world has limited power on me because of the promise of God? This economy that we're in today, that half of the world says we're in a recession. Other people say that we're going into a recession. Some people say that we've been in one for two years. But what if we realized the economy of this world has no bearing on my life because I'm trusting Jesus. I'm a child of promise and so the economy of this world has limited power over me the doctor's report might be bad but I want to tell you it's limited right because we serve the great physician even death has limited power for the believer I like what Billy Graham said he said someday you're going to read my name in the obituary he said when you do so do not believe it for a moment that I have died for in that moment I will be more alive than any moment of my life why because he understood that the world has limited power to a person of promise why are we praying God open our eyes to the promises of God because I am convinced a promise from God will change your entire life It'll change everything. It lets you see how limited the world is. It also reminds us that we are not alone in what we're doing. In Genesis chapter 24, Abraham was trying to find a suitable wife for his son Isaac. And he didn't want Isaac to marry just any old gal. He didn't want her to marry the girl down the street who didn't know the Lord or know of the promises of God or anything about Jehovah. And so he told his servant, Eliezer, he said, I want you to go back to my homeland and find someone from there and bring her back here for my son to marry her so that our family will continue to grow and serve the Lord. And Eliezer said, and he made Eliezer, he said, promise me, you will do this, you know, swear to me. And Eliezer said, well, well what, what if I go and I find the girl and she won't come back? What if she doesn't want to leave her father or her land or her, her mom or her family? And listen what, listen what Abraham said. For the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see that you will find a wife there for my son. You know what Abraham knew? He knew that when I am following the promises of God, 
I am not waiting on God to work for me. No, no, the promise of God is already waiting. It's already working ahead of me. See, the promise of God, what it does is actually it's a, it's a compass that gets you from where you are to where God is working. Abraham told Eliezer, listen, the God is already working in a situation. When you get there, he's already going to be speaking to people, releasing people. All you got to do is follow the promise, and when you get there, you're going to run smack dab into the activity of the Lord. You know what promises do? They get us from our activity into God's activity. How do you want to live your life? In your activity or God's activity? I want to live in God's activity. And so God gives us promises to direct direct our attention where His activity is already happening. To get us on His plan. Number three, the promises of God, here's why they're important, is they open our eyes to the heart of the, and we got a misprint, the heart of the promiser. The promiser. Do you know God has certain things in mind towards you? The Word says you are the apple of His eye. The Word says that He longs to be gracious to you. The Word says that you are His children, that we're heirs with Christ, co-heir, our heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. I mentioned this promise came on the heels of this personal trial in Paul's life because the timing of this promise speaks that God cares about him. See, a promise makes, it says a lot about the promiser. Think about my opening illustration, the young man who gives the girl a promise that I will marry you if you will say yes. Just the very act of that young man giving that promise reveals to that girl the the promiser's heart, that he wants to be with her. He wants to spend his life with her. He wants to provide for her. A promise lets us know about the promiser's heart. I don't know about you, but, but, but sometimes I feel like we read the promises of God, and, and I don't know this word kind of has a bad, bad meaning in our culture today, but sometimes I feel like we read the Bible and we read a promise of God, and we look at the promise of God as, as it's an entitlement. Well, as God's children, we are entitled to the promises of God. But the thing is, anytime you have an entitlement mindset, what happens is you miss the heart behind what's supposed to be a gift. And we read things like, by his stripes we're healed. That's a promise. But it also lets you know about the heart of God, that God wants you to be healed and whole and not damaged. We read, we read the scripture that says, Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do we understand the reason God made that promise was because Jesus loves you and he doesn't want you bound down by all the weariness and the chains and the bondage of this life? Do we understand when when Jesus says that we can come to him and he'll no way cast us out? That's a promise, but it's also an explanation of his heart that he longs to be with you. Salvation is a promise to anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. But it's not some formula to enter a club. It's the heart of God that He wants you to recognize that you are a son and a daughter of Him. 
When God gave Paul the promise that you will testify before me in Rome and in Jerusalem, that was a confirmation of Paul that God's heart for Paul was this, I'm not done with you yet. I got more for you to do for me. You're going to stand on bigger platforms. You're going to stand before not just great numbers of people, but higher people of influence. I'm going to use you to touch people that you think are untouchable. See, God's promises, it reminds us that He wants to take care of our needs. God's promises remind us He wants to be with us. He wants us to have freedom from sin. And these are just, just, these are just a few of God's promises. One of the reasons it's so important for us to be in the Word and learn about God's promises is because every time you see a promise of God, you're not just, and my mind works this way sometimes, we see a promise and we think, ooh, there's something I need to claim. Well, that's fine, claim it. But also understand the heart behind the promise. See, the more promises I discover, the more God's heart I discover. The more God's promises I discover, the more I discover how much He loves me and cares for me. And last this morning, promises, God opened our eyes to the promise because promises probe us to move forward. When Paul received this promise from the Lord, it came with a little bit of a, of a nudge. He said, Paul, take courage. Don't be paralyzed in fear. Take courage. Second Peter, Scripture says, and because of, of His glory and excellence, He's given to us great and precious promises. And these promises that enable you to share His divine nature, what do promises do? They enable us. To participate in power that's not of our own. To participate in the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And view all this, make every effort, look at those last few words, to respond to God's promises. See, without a promise, most of us would stay still, stay in our comfort, stay in our bondage. Stay in the status quo. Without a promise, most of us would do less for God than He desires of us. We would give less to God. We would spend less of our time serving Him and more of our time in a safer manner. It's a promise of God that pulls us out of where we are into where He wants us to be. Let me, let me just put it to you this way. Pick out your favorite Bible character that did exploits for God. And chances are, there's a promise that motivated that exploit. Uh, the greatest example I've already mentioned once today is, is King David before he was king. And if you were to ask any of our kids in the preschool church this morning, tell us something about David, they would mention the, when David killed Goliath, right? But do you know why David killed the Goliath? Now, some of you may be spiritual and think, well, he said, how dare this uncircumcised Philistine say these things about the army of God? He did say that. But what motivated him to go kill Goliath was this. He said, 
what's going to be done for the man who slays the giant? Right? Now listen, he said, how dare this uncircumcised Pharisee come against He said that one time. But over and over again, he said, somebody tell me what's going to be done for the man who fights Goliath. Remember what's going to be done for him? Well, he gets to marry the king's daughter. That's pretty good if you're single. If this doesn't excite you, you're just, I give up on you. You get to live tax-free for the rest of your life. Let me at him. Right? Let me at him. You get to eat at the king's table. They tell David all the things that's going to happen to the man who kills Goliath. And when they tell him, he says this, tell me again. And they tell him, and he goes, tell me again. This is in your Bible, right? You've read this? This means yes, this means no. Okay. Yes, it's in the Bible. You don't go, go look it up this afternoon. He says, tell me again. What's going to be done? And he asks over and over, what's going to be done for the man that slays Goliath? Why? Because it was the promise of God that motivated him out of where he was into where God wanted him to be. He knew that God was going to keep his word. The beginning was clear. The end is concrete. But he needed the promise of God to forward him through the mushy, unknown parts of life. You know, without a promise from God, Joshua said, I ain't moving a bit. We think of Joshua, great leader, fights the battle of Jericho. But before he did that, he said, Lord, if you're not going with us, I am right here. Listen, if you have been spiritually stagnant for a long time, pray, sure. Get more involved in church, connect groups, sure. But if you've been spiritually stagnant, what you really need is you need to rehearse the promise of God. Because nothing will get you moving like a person with a promise. Without a promise, Nehemiah is, does not build a wall. Without a promise from God, he's going to see the wall, hear about how bad it is, and go back home. But instead, in Nehemiah chapter 20, here's what he says. He says, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We will arise and build. We will trust his word because we believe in the sovereign Lord who always keeps his promises. Without a promise from God, the disciples, along with about a hundred others, they don't stay in the upper room until the day of Pentecost. I mean, what keeps you in a prayer meeting for 50 days? They had a promise. I'm not moving. I'm not going to miss out. I'm going to stay here. Without a promise, the early church, does, they don't leave Jerusalem. They don't, they don't go apart. But they had a promise that He's going to be with us wherever we go. Without a promise, we don't give sacrificially to the cause of Christ. But with the promise, we understand that, that he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose, is the, the quote of the old missionary. Listen, with, with promise, we understand it's impossible to outgive God. You might be excited about this or not, but without a promise, I'm not preaching another message. Because preaching is foolishness. Have you ever thought about that? Preaching, I am involved in a foolish career. 
if the promises of God are not true. But you know, the promises of God says that it is the foolish, foolishness of preaching through which God brings salvation. There's been times when I thought, surely in, in 2023, there's a better way for people to hear the gospel and to respond. I mean, this is, we've been doing this this way. Brother Corey, we've been doing it this way for a long, long time. Surely technology could better the procedure. But the Word says, no, 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 no. You do what I tell you to do, no matter how foolish it may seem to people, and I'll work through it. Listen, I, I, I don't know if, 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 if you're going to receive this this morning. It may be too honest to you, but without a promise, I'm not committing my life to Jesus. Hello? Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. If God is not real, Solomon said, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. You see how important the promises of God are? But Paul also said in 1 Thessalonians, friends, we do not grieve. When we live this life, we don't leave this life like others leave this life. We don't leave this life with those that don't have any hope. But we understand that just as Jesus rose from the dead, he's coming back again. And all of us who are found in Jesus, we're going to be rising up to meet them when the air wants. Because our promise isn't just about this life, it's for eternal life. A promise has changed my life. And a promise can change your life too. Do you realize that you are a person of promise? The beginning of a promise is clear. The end is concrete. The middle's kind of mushy. But friends, stay true. Let the promise of God sustain you even in the messy, mushy parts because He's going to keep His word. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Listen, there is a promise for you today. There's a promise found in 1 John for every person in the room today that's not a Christ follower. The promise says if you confess your sins, He's faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from everything that's not right. There's a promise found in Romans says that if we will believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is who He said He was, that we can be saved. Those are promises. Today, if you're not a Christ follower, your life can change. You can go from death to life, from sinner to saint, from lost to found, to a life that is Existing to a life that is abundantly full because you believe that the promise of God for salvation is yours, can be yours. Jesus came because his heart for you was not to check a bunch of boxes, his heart for you so that you could have a relationship, a right relationship with God the Father, that you could know the pleasure of a relationship with your Heavenly Father that can heal every hurt, can sustain you through every season, 
and give you a future that's secure. And today you say, listen, pastor, I'm not a Jesus follower. I've never committed my life to Christ. Or maybe you did a decade or two ago and you, your relationship with God has just been dormant to non-existent. But today you realize that, that there's a promise for you that you can have abundant life today and you need to do that. That's me, pastor. I'm not going to call you forward or even ask you to stand up, but I do want to know that I want to ask you just to raise your hand so I'll know to pray for you. If you're making that choice today, would you slip in real quick? That's me, Pastor. I need to make that decision today. Amen. Amen. Now, the rest of us, I want to ask you to now open your eyes and look at me. Have you forgotten that you're a child of promise? Have you forgotten that the promises of God are for you? How many promises are there in the Word of God? I'm not exactly sure. There's been a lot of people who's tried to add them all up, but here's what I know. The Word says no matter how many there are, they're yes, they're true. But the amen has to be spoken by us. It has to be us that realizes that, yeah, I believe them. How do you know that you believe the promise of God? I'll tell you how you know you believe the promise of God. When you let the promise transform your life. When you let the promise dictate your behavior. You let the promise dictate your decisions. You let the promises dictate your self-talk. How many understand? If you're a personal promise, you gotta talk back to yourself, right? If you're a personal promise, you, you gotta. When, when people say you're you're gonna, Paul, you gotta be in prison, buddy. Paul gets snake bit. They say you about to die. You gotta talk back. Say no, 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 I'm gonna live and not die and declare the praises of the God who called me. You gotta talk back. Why? What? What gives you the courage to talk back when the world is telling you to shut up? It's not, it's not spiritual fortitude. If it is spiritual fortitude, it's fortitude that derives from knowing I'm a child of promise. The promises of God are for me. Here's I want to ask you to close this service with me. I would, like, I would love for all of you to stand up, lift up your hands to the Lord, and just say this, Father, would you make the promises of God real to me today? God, open my eyes to the promises of God like never before. God, let me see who I am in your eyes. Let me see what I can do through your power. Lord, shower me with confidence that comes only from the word, that comes only from the promises of God. Lord, I pray all across this building people would have a fresh, fresh vision of the promises of God. They're not for other people, they're for us. They're not for the guy down the pew, they're for me. They're not for someone in ancient history, they're for today. Lord, show us, open our eyes to the promise of God. And Lord, help us, give us the boldness and the confidence to walk out what the promises of God would demand of our life today. 
Lord, if it's giving, I'm going to give. If it's serving, I'm going to serve. If the promises of God leads me to speak to someone, I'm going to speak to someone. If the promises of God engages me in a new walk for the Lord that involves me reaching out to someone or helping in some area that I've never helped in before, God, I'm going to follow the promises of God. The promise of God is an instrument, Lord, that you use to take us from where we are to where you want us to be. So, Lord, we're going to follow your promises. Open our eyes to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, would you give the Lord a hand clap for His word today? Lord, we love you today. We love you today. Hey, it is, uh, it's 1125. If no one's told you yet today, they love you. Let me be the first to tell you, I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us at the assembly. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to greet you and meet you and put a gift in your hands. I'll be on the front porch in about 30 seconds. God bless you. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day, and God bless.